Hey everybody, welcome to the official screenwriting podcast number 22. I'm Adam Levenberg. This week I'll be talking briefly about the movie Promised Land and giving some advice to those of you attending the Great American Pitch Fest this weekend. But, you know, if you listen to this in the future, it is still great advice in the case that you're, you're thinking about going to or are going to be attending a, any screenwriting conference. So also a reminder that my new screenwriting class starts June 7th at the Director's Playhouse in West L.A. Go to directorsplayhouse.com for some information on that. Or you can email me. I'm also still doing my $99 concept consultation where you can send me up to five pages of material. We talk for an hour on the phone. I'll look at all your log lines, uh, maybe a short treatment, whatever you want. And we'll go through it to make sure that you're on the right track. And for those listeners of the podcast, it's only $2.99 to hire me to read your screenplay and do notes on it and then talk to you for however long it takes. We will be on the phone or on Skype until we're done going through the whole thing. Okay, so Promised Land. I was really impressed by this movie. It kind of flew under the radar because it did not get the Oscar consideration that I think that was sort of expected. It's written by Matt Damon and John Krasinski. Matt Damon, of course, won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, writing that, and we have the Goodwill Hunting director on board, Gus Van Sant, here. This is a really interesting movie because it is an incredibly simple screenplay. This is so by the numbers, but it's a by the numbers drama, and you can practically see the seams on it. It is just that sort of obviously laid out. However, there's a big surprise in the third act, which I won't talk about because I highly recommend you see the film. And the interesting thing is not that the film is sort of arranged in a way that is incredibly obvious, if you will, or incredibly simple. It's that they find new ways to create conflict in every scene. That's what screenwriting is about. And I highly recommend this to anybody who's a new screenwriter because this is a script that a new screenwriter could deliver. And it doesn't rely on scripting complexity. Now, I'm currently watching the new Arrested Development. Like it or hate it, and I know that there's a lot of people on both sides of that, the complexity of delivering 15 episodes in the Rashomon, various perspectives on the same event, kind of writing is a master class in advanced screenwriting. Promised Land is the opposite because it is incredibly simple, incredibly straightforward, but, but the thing about it is that it has moral complexity to it because our hero is kind of a villain in a way and the villain or the opponent is doing the right thing as far as most audience members will be concerned. And that makes for really interesting drama. Um, it starts off with Matt Damon in a New York restaurant having a job interview with an energy company executive. And the energy company executive says to him, you close three times as many uh, contracts as any of your competitors. What do you do? What's the secret? And Matt Damon says, look, I came from a farming community that was economically devastated. The days of farming are over and I know how to talk to these people and how to help them. And I believe in what I'm doing because I'm helping them keep their communities alive through natural gas exploration and drilling. And because Matt Damon identifies with these people, he's basically given away his, his secret. This is what he does. This is what he's an expert at. 
And we see as soon as he drops into the town that this film revolves around, this small farming community, the first thing he does, tricks of the trade, by the way, tricks of the trade, which is where you show an expert doing what they do in order to be good at it. Um, and one of the things that him and Francis McDormand, who is his co-worker, the thing that they do as soon as they drop into a new town, they go shopping at a local general store and pick up clothing that makes them look like the locals that makes them look like the farmers so that they don't seem like the slick energy company salesmen that you'd think that these billion dollar corporations would be sending and it provides matt damon's character with an edge it is a really simple screenplay down to that matt damon thinks he's going to be able to close this town really quickly and move on that's what he does bam 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 but when it comes up uh, for a community meeting that he thinks he's going to walk away with the paperwork in order to, you know, do this thing, um, things get more complicated. And that is our entry into Act 2, where some townsfolk are not so happy about this drilling, which is called fracking, because, well, it pollutes the water, it pollutes the land, and it also, some people claim, causes earthquakes. I mean, there's a lot of environmental damage that can be done that these companies are not responsible for in the case that something goes wrong and you know the community has some questions for him and they put it up for a vote they say three weeks from now we're going to come back we're going to have a community vote on whether or not this uh fracking is going to be allowed in our town and because matt damon is up for that job he has to deliver he can't have a failure here so what they set up in the opening scene sort of comes back into play later in the screenplay not immediately because he actually gets that job but he's not going to be able to actually take that job um, because it hangs in the balance as to whether or not he wins this election that's going to be taking place in three weeks. And look at how concrete that is. We're going to have a vote in three weeks. We're going to force Matt Damon to go door to door in order to sort of make his case. And remember, he's got energy mon uh, company money to throw around and to provide contracts for each farmer. Um, so he's at a real advantage. And we constantly throw obstacles in his way. Interestingly, the B story, which happens around uh, minute 30, is the opposition is introduced. You know, we meet some opposition in that community meeting where Hal Holbrook plays a uh, science teacher who turns out to be an MIT trained engineer. And he just teaches science for the fun of it. And he's the one who brings up the questions about fracking. But as soon as it's brought up for a vote, bam, our opponent lands in town. It's John Krasinski uh, from The Office. And he is an environmental activist who is going to present the other side to the town and is going to be working against Matt Damon. And, you know, usually the B story is a love story here. I would say that our B, there is a love story in this movie, but here the B story is really the opposition that our villain or again, the, the term villain doesn't really fit because again, it's just opposition. You know, most audience members will immediately identify with John Krasinski's character. We're going to root for him in his own way. So it makes it for to, for some really interesting viewing. That's all I'm going to say about that movie because I think you should see it. There's some really wonderful surprises that it has in store later on. I don't want to give them away. Uh, real quickly, I had a client this week, a writing client who had hired me to look at her script a couple months ago. She called me up and said, hey, this, uh, this film uh, rights salesman guy, he called me up and he wants... He wants to represent my movie at Cannes and accept his fee was $30,000. And then he called me back a couple days later, right before Cannes started, and said he'd drop his price to $10,000. Should I work with this guy? 
And, you know, I, I know that it sounds really obvious, but the answer, of course, is no. No. You know, Cannes is a place where it's a film market. There's a couple of film markets every year. Uh, they happen, you know, about once a season. And the idea of a film market is where you have either a finished product that you're selling to territories, meaning that, you know, say Germany is its own territory. So if I'm making a horror movie um, and we make the film, but we haven't sold it to Germany yet, we will go and try to find a German buyer for this film. And often, by the way, those people will buy it without actually seeing the movie. They'll just know who's in it, see the poster and say, yes, we will give you X amounts of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands or millions, depending on what the case may be, in order to get all the rights for Germany. And in that case, they take on all the risk because if they paid 500 grand, it, it doesn't really matter to the owner of the film whether or not they put it in theaters, whether they put it straight to cable, whether they put it on DVD, or whether they decide to never release it. Either way, they've already paid out their 500 grand and you know that goes to back to the filmmakers or to the the original financiers and whatever happens if it is a huge hit and becomes the biggest selling you know ticket selling film ever in germany doesn't matter they own it at 500 grand um, and they see all those profits so in any case that's one thing that happens at film uh at, at film festivals well, Cannes is also a film festival, uh, the, you know, the festival being that they show movies and they vote on them for awards and things like that. That's a, you know, but the real business of it is what I just talked about, which is selling those foreign territories for films that are completed or for films that are going into production. And you know what that requires? That requires a director. It requires an attached cast. It requires a budget and all of these things that are happening. Um, and usually some piece of the financing already in place, and then they go to these film markets and try to sell off territories around the world. It is not a screenplay market. It is not a screenplay market. So when somebody says, give me $10,000 or give me $30,000 and I'll take your project to can't, it's not a project, it's a screenplay. A screenplay that this guy hadn't even read, by the way. Um, and you know, the, my client was like, oh, but I saw it as maybe, and she did not give this guy the money, but she said, well, I thought of, you know, if he got it made or got the script sold, then it would be a good investment. Well, it would be, except it just doesn't work like that. This guy was trying to rip her off. And it doesn't even matter if he actually had legitimate business there, if he was representing the rights to some films in order to sell them to foreign territories, which he very well may have. This is a guy who actually does work you know he he's not a simple con man which would be somebody who had no business taking anybody's money but in this case he was definitely conning her because there was nothing he could do for her or her project or her screenplay because he hadn't even read it and even if he had and even if he loved it you still you don't put movies together like that and you don't get financing like that so always be really careful never you know succumb to pressure or time limits Always take a, you know, a step back and say, okay, what am I actually paying for here? What am I getting here? Um, and if somebody has a huge price tag like that, just walk away. Don't return their phone calls. Don't, you're dealing with a con man. They're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. Um, so, you know, that was my advice to her. Do not return his phone call again. Do not pick up the phone if he calls again. There is no negotiation that's happening here. Um, he's trying to steal your money and any discussion you know, will only help facilitate that. Okay, moving on to my advice for the Great American Pitch Fest. And again, you can use this advice for anything. Um, I, I love this. They're actually offering, it's a three-day event. I think there's some events Friday night and then Saturday, free classes. 
free classes for any screenwriters who want to show up. You don't even have to do the pitch fest part of it, which is the next day. And the pitch fest is 120 companies come. They send an executive or an assistant and they will sit there and listen and to five minute pitches and request scripts for those writers who have convinced them to, uh, you know, to request it. Um, and usually for the writers who do it, I don't know how many times you actually get to pitch. I don't even know what they're charging to get in. But hey, if you're a broke-ass writer, that's okay. You can go to those free classes the day before. I love that because all those classes they have, they're the same people and uh, a lot of the same uh, presenters and you know screenwriting gurus who were used to have to pay to see. You know, Usually that part of it was part of the overall event because that's how most screenwriting things are. It's it's half classes with experts. I'm not doing any of this this year at this event, but um, you know, it's it's listening to people, and then you do the pitch fest part of it. And here they're just giving it away. They're letting you walk in. Uh, I, I think it's wonderful, and it shows that they really have the writer's best interest at heart. Um, so a couple of, of pieces of advice for navigating the the pitch fest and making sure that your pitch works. Um, First of all, relax. Going in, you're lined up. It's sort of a really, you know, it's it's an exciting thing. It's a scary thing. You think your career's on the line. This might be the first time you've ever pitched, or it might be the hundredth. But you feel like, wow, if this person just says yes, then, you know, I've made it to that next step. Not really. Not really. Don't worry about it. Just don't psych yourself out about it. It's not a big deal. They're going to listen to 10 pitches before you, 10 after you. And, you know, it's just... It, if they if you get requests great if not you know that there's something wrong with your idea because your idea is not going to be evaluated on how well it is pitch if you have a great pitch you should be able to sell it in 45 seconds but remember you're not selling the whole screenplay you're not selling a pitch for that you need to tell them the whole story you are just selling them on yes i would like to read your script yes i would like to request it and read anywhere from one to 110 pages, depending on how interesting the script is, because it doesn't cost them anything to say yes. So you're going to want to craft your pitch under those uh, circumstances, which means that uh, if you have five minutes, here's my advice, you're gonna wanna talk about a couple of things. You're only gonna wanna spend about 45 seconds to a minute pitching. Only 45 seconds to a minute talking at somebody's face. Here's why, it's because if you get too wrapped up in the plot, they're going to get bored. It also doesn't allow them to be interested if you tell them what the ending is. Now, if you have a huge twist, if it's the sixth sense and you really don't have much else going for the story, it's all based around that twist, then by all means share that twist. If it's a mind-blowing twist, sometimes it helps to share what it is. But you know, generally, all you need to do in these pitches, all you need to do in that one minute is discuss the setup, which is, and always do it through the lens of who is your hero? Who is the main character? And what is their goal? But you're going to do that in a couple of ways. You're going to talk about the setup. Who is the hero before the catalyst? The catalyst, you're going to want to talk about also. What happens that turns the world upside down? You're going to want to talk about your break into act two, which is what is the mission? What is your character's goal? We talked about that with Promised Land. It is, there's an election in three weeks, and our character is going to have to go door to door in order to win the vote of this community in order to move forward in terms of his career and, you know, save the job that's on the line and so forth. Um, and you also want to talk about two other things. Who's the opponent? 
who is the opponent, what's their story, and what are the fun and games? What is your page 30 to 55? What are the what is the promise of your premise? What is what challenges are you going to throw at your hero? And remember that between 30 and 55, your character is totally upside down and underwater. You know, it's especially in a fish out of water movie, it's the most fish out of water kind of thing and that you know scenarios and then around page 60 we give them a false victory where they start to sort of maintain or or regain some equilibrium in this new world but that's all you have to do setup catalyst act two break opponent and fun and games and then shut up you know here's the thing a lot of people will just talk for five minutes don't do that and listen just take a step back just stop talking look at the person's face are they interested are they you know, do they have any questions? Ask, do you have any questions? Or say, oh, you look kind of skeptical. Um, do you, you know, are there any issues that you have with the pitch or any thoughts that you have? Um, is there any way that I can make it better, more clear? Um, answer their questions. Do not get too wrapped up in plot though. Because if they ask you questions about what you're pitching, just default to the to the things such as the generalities, the broad strokes, the, well, she goes from being a citizen to a leader, or, you know, she starts out as this and ends up as this, or reference some other movies that can help them understand how your movie functions and how it could be marketed. Um, but you don't have to talk about your marketing plan for the movie or why it's a four quadrant movie. You know, if it's a four quadrant movie, they'll understand that based on your pitch. They're the experts, you're not. So, uh, you know, don't get too wrapped up in, in the minor details and definitely don't spend too much time talking about plot because that's not important. They'll read the script. And again, if we remember Promised Land, you know, it's not as much about the plot. It's about the problems and obstacles that you put in your hero's way in each individual scene. So, you know, that's where a lot of your entertainment value comes from inside of the script. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the education part of it because there's all these classes, right? Um, I, first of all, when you're doing these classes, the, f the most important thing that you don't do, I want you to catch yourself when you're doing this because everybody does it. Everybody listens to something. It's a row. Oh, that's a really good point. First of all, you're going to want to take notes. Take notes. You're not, the, you're not there to be entertained. These are not trained monkeys. That you're, going to, you're not going to the circus, okay? You're going to learn. So take notes. You either have a notebook or you have a laptop or you have an iPad, but you are taking notes. Um, and you do not, though, want to constantly be thinking back to what is it, how do these, you know, oh, that's a really good point. How does it apply to all my scripts? Or how can I employ that in my script, this new little trick that I learned? Don't do that. Catch yourself when you're doing it. Just slap yourself on the wrist and start paying attention to what that person's saying up there because you're not benefiting yourself by really thinking about your script and how you're going to change it. And, you know, I ha I'm of the opinion that until you get to a certain point in screenwriting, you don't have enough information in order to sort of create a whole script to begin with. Like, you know, there's, there's fundamental flaws in most amateur writer scripts because they didn't have enough information going in. So it often is not helpful to go back with a lot of new information and try to apply it to a script where you didn't have that information to begin with. Um, but, you know, remember that the education is also catch as catch can. You're not, you know, 45 minutes or a 90 minute session is not, you're not going to learn everything you need to learn about screenwriting. Think of these as new glimpses into, it's a glimpse into the library. You know, it's a glimpse into new areas of thought. Your job is to follow up on those. Your job is to learn more. If you listen to my podcast, I can spend 
40 minutes talking about four pages in my book. Uh, so if you came and saw me speak, I might be just covering a couple of pages worth of stuff, but I have an entire book, The Starter Screenplay, that has all the information that I've compiled for writers. Um, and that's all these people have time to share with you. So please don't leave it there. If you find somebody has really valuable information, keep digging, keep going down that new path. This is the beginning of the trail, not the hike. And you, you know, you gotta, you gotta sort of look at it like that. Um, here's another quick piece of advice and this maybe you'll disagree with, but I, I think there's some value to it, which is if you're torn, if you're torn, if you're, should I go to this one or should I go to this one? Because they kind of overlap or they're at the same time. Go to listen to the screenwriting gurus and experts with very specific topics because you will learn from those. Um, if Again, panels and one-on-one -on -one interviews can be wildly entertaining. They can be a lot of fun. You can even maybe get some interesting information and hear some interesting anecdotes. Um, but maybe you'll get something that's food for thought, but it's not sort of that mainline delivery of absolutely necessary information. There are more or less entertainment. You know, Shane Black will be at the Great American Pitch Fest. He will be interviewed. He is one of the greatest screenwriters that ever lived. I don't believe, and I've, I've seen Shane Black speak. It's fascinating. I promise if you go, you will have a great time. I don't know that you're going to, I, I'm pretty certain that you're not going to learn the greatest lessons of screenwriting because you're in a room with Shane Black with, you know, 500 other people listening to him being interviewed. He, he will tell some cool Robert Downey Jr. stories, and that might be fun to listen to. But remember what the difference is between entertainment and fun. There's not, and, and education, and you're, hey, if you've been going from, from lecture to lecture to lecture, take that hour and a half and listen to Shane Black. You'll have a fun time. It'll be a blast. Um, but really be clear why you're there and you're there to learn. And the best way to learn is to be presented with new ways or new structures that, you know, screenwriters can use because you are still trying to get the basic, you know, uh, the basic building blocks of what it means in order to deliver a professional screenplay. And that is where, you know, you should be spending your time and energy. And again, to recap, uh, you're going to want your pitches to be 45 seconds to a minute and do not spend too much time talking about your plot. You're going to want to cover the hero, who they are before the catalyst, what the catalyst is, what the break into act two is, who is the opponent and what are the fun and games? What is the promise of your premise? Um, and, you know, remember, don't spend too much time constantly applying whatever it is that you're learning to the screenplays you've already written because very often screenwriting is about moving forward it's about doing new stuff coming up with new ideas that implement all of the new shit that you're learning that you didn't have before when you came up with those old ideas and it is nearly impossible for writers if they didn't have enough basic education you, you know it is almost impossible to go back and fix those scripts in a way that may, you can always make them better you can make them better but there's diminishing returns on your way to delivering something that's just competent and professional screenwriters deliver a competent script the first time around so that they rewrite it two or three or four times they are turning something that is simply functional and competent and bare bones into something that has life and is dynamic and is interesting and is fun and all that good stuff okay so a reminder my screenwriting course starts uh june 7th i think and you can look for more information at the directorsplayhouse.com 
thestarterscreenplay.com. My book, The Starter Screenplay, you can get it at thestarterscreenplay.com uh, with free shipping. Personally, we'll autograph it to you. And you can also download it at Amazon.com for your Kindle. I'm Adam Levenberg, and I'll probably talk about Fast uh, and Furious 6 and or Star Trek next week. Have a good one.